0: Okay, hello, welcome to Hobby Sofa, um, your uh, friendly neighbourhood podcast with today just two people. I'm afraid our good friends Bill and Andre couldn't make it. And so as a result of that, uh, it's, um, in this case we're talking about two people walking to a bar. One Welshman, one Englishman. Barton turns around and he says, what is this, some kind of joke? And I said, hell no, it's Hobby Sofa. That joke, awful. <laughs> so yeah, so today I am joined with my good friend Tom, um, who oh you can all see on the cameras. And um, you'll now be able to put a face to the voice from the interview that um, me and Tom did on Bill's other um, one, um, Gamers Lounge. Um, and yeah, so we are good. It's just two of us today, like I said, um, and sadly the other two couldn't make it. That's our know, gain, their loss, but you know how it goes. And uh, if I sound like a croaky, coffee, spluttery, grotty person, please ignore me. I'm just surviving from a um, a bad cold, which my wife insists is not the flu, despite what I'm, I'm
1: just isolated. Anyway, man flu. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you do yeah. suffer amazingly badly with flus and things, though. Yeah. Probably worse than anyone I've ever met. <laughs> It's all for your attention.
0: Okay, so, Tom, uh, as you are new on the sofa, can you give us a quick 30 seconds,
1: you know, say hello? Yeah, sure. Um, just gaming backgrounds, is it, that you're after yep. or, um yep. Yeah, so, uh, Richie and I's gaming uh, career goes back incredibly far. Uh, we started when we were, I don't know, 12, something, something like, like that. Now. And uh he's probably the opponent I've played most throughout my life, it's so hard to say. We and it gives you a very big win streak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does actually, doesn't it? We uh we worked on uh, Override together, so um an awful lot of hours into playtesting that. We've uh we used to play a lot of um Necromander and uh Magic the Gathering and all yep. sorts of things like that and then of course Malifaux yes I got really into Malifaux yes. not that long ago I was just seeing actually I was watching a um a Nightmare Teddy on eBay because I've got oh, yeah. quite a bunch of Malifaux uh, the old metal or the new plastic the old metal and uh, it just sold it just dinged up on my phone whilst you were doing your intro uh, it just sold for £7 which is pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking I might sell some of my old Malifaux stuff because I've got a crate full of it. <laughs> which obviously not a good timing. No. I remember then, going, I think part of it is because it's metal and
0: I mean I don't, uh, um, I, don't know. Um, I mean um I know you you
1: um go to oh, I've, got, I've recently really got into resin. Oh yeah. I um I've, I've got into it because of Guild Ball. I always preferred metal just because I was used mm. to it. And I, the resins that i would tried in the past were shit because they were gravity-fed resin. Yeah. They were full of air bubbles. Yeah. And often the mould would tear and you'd get little bits of blue foam. Yeah. Uh, and, like, lumpy bits, like, in their armpits and stuff where the foam had ripped out on the previous person. I thought resin was awful. And I remember when... Um, uh, Citadel introduced Finecast, and I just thought it was a massive rip-off, because they were basically what I considered an inferior uh, method of uh, moulding, uh, yep. but charging more money for it, and it just seemed to be, you know, yep. the reason why the nickname was Failcast. Yeah. Um, but I got some Guild Ball um, resins mm-hmm. by mistake, because I didn't listen to the instructions properly, and they were um, during the, um, kickstart, I think the resins came out first, and then when they did their season two launches, um, and they were up for pre-order, I mistakenly assumed that they were only pre-orderable in resins, so I ordered some in resin, and the quality is amazing. Yeah. Um. I mean, I've been I a know... big advocate
0: for the quality of their metals, how would you compare it in comparison
1: it's the um it's the surface texture that's completely different the surface texture on the resins is basically perfect it's perfection it's completely smooth whereas the metals are quite badly pitted yeah. On occasions i have to send um four of them back um I did it this week actually i got <laughs> i'll be back <laughs> <laughs> this is what people tune in for <laughs> this, is, this is for the sake of sake of the video but Five minutes in we're it, already on form For people like me who, who don't watch the video And only ever listen to the podcast in the car But um, yeah the, the metals uh, on four of the models that I bought Were, were pitted to the point where um, Basically the surface texture is really rough Yeah And it like really rough, and it makes it hard to see the details. So I um, I didn't really want to paint them because if like me, you you know you paint very carefully and take a long time and paint very thin paints. (laughs) (laughs) Hey Richie, Uh, (laughs) then then the if you the the actual surface texture comes through, particularly if you use an airbrushes. If you use thick paints, it doesn't really matter. But Mm. if you use thin paints, that surface texture goes all the way through. And I knew that I was going to have to paint details back in because the surface texture was so rough. Yeah. Some of the fine details were going to be lost, and I'd have to put a lot more effort to painting them back in. Whereas if the surface texture is perfect, then it's easy. You know, the, the brush just finds all the edges just really easily. So I... Contacted them and then they responded within twenty minutes, which I was really impressed with, saying. Um, just, so,
0: just so just um, so no, everyone knows, so around what time of the day would this have been, or what sort of oh, day? Oh, it again? was
1: about six thirty in the evening when I contacted them. Okay,
0: so outside of what would be business yeah. hours.
1: Yeah, and they they sent a response back saying, um "We've um we've sent you the replacements," and I I, I said. I, I sent an email back saying, "Do you need my address?" <laughs> 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 they obviously looked my address up from from the order and on, on using my email and um and sent me the replacements. And I'm glad to say they're a lot better. They are metals, but they're good cast. Mm. But it's oh, oh, and I got these patches for viewers, which are the Gilpool patches, which are really nice. nice. They're um really good quality. Yeah, very uh, nice. They're quite raised as well. Yeah, really raised. They're they're nice. Really good quality. That's morticians and brewers. Brewers, yeah. But I will, I would be buying all resins now based on my experience. It's got tenderizer and kraken Hmm. resin and uh, a a painted tenderizer and it's so pleasant to paint on the resin. But I would be buying everything resin apart from my local game store which is um, Pegasus Games in London uh can't like all game stores can't get the resins because they can't produce enough volume of resin to supply stores. You can only get it from their website and I want to support my local game store. Yeah. So I'm buying everything in metal for that reason. That but sense. yeah, they're brilliant. And I think it's because they've been um spun cast. Okay. They're basically making the harder rubber disc uh moulds that they that people use for metals and then pouring resin in the top instead of um, metal. Yes. So you don't get any of the mould damage that you used to get with those crappy old soft foam that uh, Games Workshop use and yeah. used. And, well, um, um, oh, I've forgotten, but there, there, there's a better method anyway. Yeah. I, mean, I know I've recently.
0: I, I didn't used to like resin. I did not use to like resin at all. But I've recently. Oh, I haven't fallen in love with this. But I've been amazed by the level of detail that is coming out. I mean, um, I'm probably going to mention this again later, but I'm glad I've mentioned this now. Um, for any um, readers, them um, listeners, readers. Watchers, whatever the hell, these guys are people who've got fucking spare time on their hands. Um, <coughs> if you're at all interested in sci fi models, check out um, Iquus Miniatures. Um, I've picked up a couple of, um, I suppose you samples for um, an event we're going to talk about, about late in a minute. In a minute. And um, here we can, so here, for example, is a very small, you can just about to see, little soldier with, with a gun. Very nice little model. And when these things arrived, I was, it, it, it was amazing. The you know, I've in my experiences of, in the past, resin was brittle mm. and covered in flak and took forever mm. to try and clean. It is still so brittle, mind. These things not brittle at all. Really? Not at all. Um, quite flexible, actually. Really? And um, this ty- the, only, the, the closest thing it has to flak is they were covered in what I can only describe of as, you know when you have a really bad sunburn and your skin begins to peel? Mm. <laughs> Imagine a thin layer of that skin of peely skin over certain parts of the model. Which a little brush quickly, just literally, as a term, brush, just you brush over, <laughs> it comes straight off. And that was it. That was it. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, I mean, and there's one model um, warped, um, this dude in particular, uh-huh. um, warped in transits, couldn't get the arms to connect properly. So, one thing that it did was I sent, this and sent the uh, guy who's the, the guy who runs the company a message on Facebook simply say, you know, are you aware of this, you know, is, is this a problem, is, is this warpage, is this yeah. a problem with the mould, yeah. is this what, I don't know. <coughs> Especially because, you know, if I'm going to be, like, writing up a review or anything like that, I want to make sure that yeah. everything is covered. Yeah. And he said, um, take, you know, send me some photos, and I'll have a look at it, so I did so that evening... Um, and then around 7, 8 o'clock in the evening, he sent me a message back over Facebook saying, yep, I know that is. That's basic warpage. Drop the model in some hot water for 30 seconds, mm-hmm. take it back out, and you can gently re- um, reposition the arm.
1: I think I'm going to have to do that with my um, Kraken model, because his spear is a little bit squiff mm-hmm. as well. And it's, I did,
0: so dropped it in a little thing. The bit, the, the part of the gun was previously bent slightly. You could, I was in, literally in those thirty seconds; you could see it straighten in the hot water. I was like, "This is amazing! I didn't know resin could do this."
1: <laughs> I actually found because uh, I got also a resin tenderizer, but the the way they um, the tenderizer tenderizer is the guy with the massive mallet that's smashing the ground. Yeah, I know Yeah, like that, <laughs> and. Um, Mine fitted together so perfectly because the way they'd, um, the way they'd, uh, split the sculpt up, um, it's incredible actually the way they're splitting these sculpts up these days, but the, the, the body was so perfectly formed around his arms, yeah. and it had square, um, pegs in the shoulder sockets that, that went in. it you know, it was completely seamless when I when I I just clicked mine in because there's a little bit of give in the resin enough to kind of pop it in. But a lot of people who had the metals were saying that they had a nightmare trying to get it in because metal okay. doesn't have presumably as much as much flex or maybe mm. the rough surface because the fit needed to be so perfect. Maybe the rough surface of the metal, I don't know. For whatever reason, people yeah. couldn't get their metal ones together and they had to kind of file things down and stuff like that. The resin one worked really well. Yeah, it makes sense. The only problem with the resin is because it's so detailed, you can see the um, radial lines of the 3D printer really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... Um, what was it? Just... A, a, not quite
0: my story, but I saw something very similar for the um, Dorado Season 2 Kickstarter results. They had metal models that were coming out where you could see the grids. Mm. It was... I, saw, I yeah, saw a couple of pictures of that. I,
1: I spoke to um, uh, to someone who who has a 3D printer. In fact, it was the guy who printed the season one Gilpool models. Oh yeah. And um, what they have to do is <coughs> basically just get very fine sandpaper and very carefully go over all the surfaces. And, and was that how they do it? Erase those uh, radial lines because even on a even on like a 25 or 10 micron printer which is a very high resolution one if you've got uh very f- um gently domed surfaces you' will still be able to see them mm. but you can't really see the the lines in um detailed parts of the model yeah but any smooth surfaces you can but fortunately smooth surfaces you can rub with um you can rub with um very very fine sandpaper and get rid of it okay. but um i do every now and then I find a surface where I think they've They've missed it. <laughs> I think they're filing down that <laughs> and They're all nice and beautifully smooth, and then I get to one, and obviously it's just not been filed, and you yeah. can see all of the sh- 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 lines. But on metals, I don't really notice them hardly ever, because the metal's are lumpy anyway. Yeah. But on the resin, you can see them a mile off. I see. so that would be the... Because,
0: of course, so that, so they, that would be the master that would be printed, they would file. And no, then... they... Um. Yes. So they would do that to the master, and then yeah. everything that would come, from, and then the mould made right. from it would then be sand exactly. and sp- Yeah. sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that makes sense.
1: Which was interesting. Yeah.
0: I didn't expect that. I thought, you know, with the level of detail you're seeing coming out of things like you know, gilborn and that sort of stuff, it would just be a
1: straight out of the printer.
0: you know, I mean, but you know, that just you know, I don't, I don't know these sort of things.
1: Yeah, I, I, I thought that 3D printing was at the level um, uh, where it, it was perfect, but it's mm. not quite there yet. We'll probably be there in about five years' time, actually, where they won't be. Yeah, that'd go. be cool. I mean, they're bloody expensive, aren't they? Uh, I imagine they go up from here, but I was looking at some the other day that were about a grand. I can imagine that's probably the low-water mark. I mean, you always, I remember you're always hearing, especially when they first started...
0: You know, coming out. And people say, oh, you know, it's only a matter of time now before we all start printing our own models. And it's like, right, you know.
1: That, I was that's talking a to, long way off, surely. I was talking to um, uh, Anthony Robinson on the Moonstone Development Group, and he's just ordered a 3D printer. And he feels he will be able to offer a commercial service where he prints on demand people's gaming miniatures for them to paint. Okay. And he thinks that that is, uh, I hope I'm not giving away trade secrets here. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, he thinks that that is, uh, soon to become commercially viable. Why? Now, whether, whether we're not, I don't think at the stage where people, um, are going to be able to do that, um, at home, mm. yet. Uh, but maybe, maybe if you can order, uh, models on demand so that you, you know, People cut out um you know the all the mold mold making costs basically that yeah. um you'll be able to get uh i I can definitely envisage a company like Games Workshop perhaps producing a piece of software where you kind of design your own space marine or whatever Absolutely. and then press the button and then they print it on demand yeah. we, i think we're I think we're not far from from that at the moment. That would be pretty cool.
0: That would be very cool. Yeah, that would definitely take off.
1: So, what have you been up to hobby-wise? Um, what have I been up to hobby-wise? I've been doing an awful lot of Moonstone playtesting, which okay. we'll talk about more probably yep. later on. Um, i been trying to fit in a, a playtest uh, one a week. Um, I've also been trying to fit in Guild Ball games Well, <laughs> so, yeah. you've recently won a tournament I did Yes, tell us it, about that it, um, it was only a, a small tournament in Pegasus games so it was meant to be 12 people but it was on Mother's Day and um, <laughs> a whole bunch of people that were supposed to turn up didn't turn up so I think it ended up about 8 in the end and um, we waited so long for the for the other people to turn up that um, it was supposed to be uh, up to twelve vps, a full you know a full yeah. game, but we had to shorten wait um, okay. you know eight vp games, which worked out really well for me because I, um, my two favorite or the two teams that I've played the most are butchers and fishermen, classics, yeah. although I'm getting into brewers and morticians now and um, the fishermen are my favorite team. Okay. But I charming. can I can
0: see that. Knowing your
1: play style, I can, yeah. I can see that they they do awesome things and they pull dramatic moments out of the bag. Mm. Whereas I find the butchers quite easy to play with. So I hadn't played with um, uh, I hadn't played any Guild. Ball. I played one game of Guild ball between the first <laughs> tournament that I went to. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Pegasus and this one that was coming up, and I, was, I thought, oh shit, I've forgotten the rules. I've been so tunnel visioned on Moonstone playtesting and then iterating that i I'd, I'd forgotten how to play. Yeah. So I thought I'll go back to Butchers because I, I kn- I know how to do it, you know, without really concentrating yeah. very hard. And um, I I I just steamrolled at everyone. <laughs> I won every game eight uh, nil at the beginning of turn. At the beginning of uh, turn two. Uh, in case anyone's listening, we don't
0: want to obviously put anyone down, but what do you think that you did you simply outperform them? Did they make stupid mistakes? Were they a lower
1: grade of player? What what, what are we looking for? My at regular opponent, Adam, is um is a good player mm-hmm. and um he is a very cautious player and he thinks very hard um and we we have to play on the clock because both of us end up thinking very hard and and him more so than me and our games can last five hours how we don't lose the clock but he doesn't make very many mistakes at all so I suppose I'm used to playing against someone who doesn't make hardly any mistakes mm-hmm. and being very cautious and being very aware of threat ranges and what he could do if I do that so um I just had... I, I don't know, just went well. It was going my work wa- going my way that day. I um there seems to be a statistical anomaly wherein I've probably played about thirty games at Guild Ball and I've only ever once received the ball on the kickoff. <laughs> um in fact I always I never win the initiative either. You know, when you roll off at the start yeah. of the turn, to see who goes first. For some reason whenever there's a roll off between me and an opponent, I always lose. Um, which is strange, but I, I did have to kick the ball to the opponent every, um, every turn, every game. Um, but I, I kind of worked out how to deal with it. So I kicked off with ball every game, spluttered the ball just over the line. I've got the, the knack of basically moving to just the right position so that the mm-hmm. ball, um, and then kicking at the right angle so that even if I roll a six or a one, depending on which, yeah it will just kind of scoot along my own line, so hardly go into their uh, territory at all. So every turn, I basically um, just tap the ball gently over the line uh, with um, Boar and Shank out on that flank. Shank's got an amazingly large threat range, so if they don't come and get the ball, I just go and get it myself, pass it back to Boar and ex enlarge his threat range. And if they do come and get it, they can move within charge range of four. And um, one of the, one of those two things is going to happen, and I generated a load of momentum because someone came to get the ball, and I beat them up. And um, <coughs> I uh, won the roll-off on, um, on turn two, and Ox does his legendary. I've moved him up. He's ready to go in. Just basically kill people really really quickly when you do that nice and um had gutter as well uh who is quite good on butchers she can pull people in i've heard um it's a shame bill's not on i heard him heard he's quite upset about the (laughs) thing but i i think it's a i think it's a big improvement i i didn't play with it before because i felt that she was too good and that it made the game less enjoyable because Mm. she was too good so I didn't really ever use her. I only played against her until the second set of nerfs. Where I now think that she's uh, reasonable enough and balanced enough to the other um, characters that I yeah. that I used her. So that was good fun. Yeah, okay. quite well. Nice. So what? Because now, um, as you know, I've,
0: the, my team in Guild Ball. Just out of because this is what people have gifted me is morticians. Yeah, um, and I like their aesthetic. Yeah. Um, what? What? It, it seems very unusual for you to go from, you know, having those two as your primaries, the fishermen and the butchers, to then moving over to the brewers and mortis- and morticians. Yeah, what's, what's I, the reason I, behind that?
1: And I um. I liked the uh, the butchers and the fishermen because it's the classic lineup, and I, yeah. I I don't know I just liked that classicness of it, and found that the fishermen were more fun to play for me because they're more volatile and mm-hmm. you have to plan. You, you you can bang out a template with butchers, you can do the same kick off movement, legendary turn. I did the same pattern three games in a row. Yeah, you can't really do that with fishermen, I don't find. Okay. Um... So so I like fishermen and I like butchers and they're at the exact opposite ends of the spectrum, one's very fighty, one's very yeah. uh football y. So the third part of the triangle is control okay. which is uh where morticians excel. And they're a very, very thinky team. Ah shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> By far butchers I would say are um at the easiest to grasp end. And I would say morticians uh are at the and maybe like alchemists are at the are at the uh war war. Um, I don't know. You have to think harder basically. That's so amazing. I like the idea of the morticians because um they can do some really amazing plays. I've just done I've played against them once and I've played with them once, so I haven't got tons of experience mm. but um they they can do some pretty um Volatile and strange things, mm. which, which is cool.
0: So you're saying, so, so, so you're just saying that the morticians and the alchemists are the two hardest to get to grasps with because they involve most thinking. Yeah, I would
1: say. <laughs> <And so>. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing the two so you've got. The you? <laughs> two
0: so, <so> I've got. <laughs> As you know, I'm not the best when it comes to thinking. <laughs> No, okay. Oh, that's amusing. Okay. Well, my <laughs> next question. My next question. This is an important one for me, anyway. It's a very important one for me. So i you know, um, so just over Christmas I was gifted lots of um, morticians, mm. and it was largely a case of um, me sending a list to relatives saying, "I want these models. Buy these models." And of course, having no real understanding of the rules and, this, that, and the other. I mean, yes, I downloaded the rule book, but it's a very big difference between reading the rulebook and actually knowing properly, you know. Um, so I basically went, I like the look of the, these models, I don't like the look of that models. One model that I didn't go for was, in the Mortician's team, was Silence, because something yeah. about the model didn't appeal to me. It's, it's yeah. this, this visual. However, as I've been doing more research into how the team plays and so on and the other, he seems to be a stable of every single team Put every, yeah. everyone, everyone, everyone touch field everyone
1: uses silence yeah why is that Because he's the only um, model in the game uh, that besides captains that brings three influence, and um, you know that you can assign the influence yes. uh, around your team and everyone likes to put as much influence as possible on obulus because he does amazing crazy stuff when he's, when he's loaded up. So, um, some people consider him a battery. Okay. Uh, there's terms that I've heard recently of you have your greedy players, your neutral players, and your battery players. The greedies are the ones that want to take more influence than they bring to the table. Yeah. And I think, um, he's not a, he's not a bad player. Um, but I think a lot of people bring him just for that reason that he donates influence. He can, you can give him none or one influence, and then um, he gives all three of his to Obulus or Mist okay. or so someone who's going to use who's gonna no, gonna other games terminology.
0: He's, he's a bit like what they would call in some games cheerleaders.
1: Yeah, yeah. You can his, his, his role
0: is not really to actually do anything other than making other people better. That's,
1: that's right. I quite, like, I quite like the idea of using his abilities though, because he's also got um, two abilities called Shut Out and Tucked. One means you get to force your, your, one is you get to say that your opponent has to mod, um, activate that particular model next. Right. The other one says your opponent, um, has to activate that particular model last. So you can, you know, if you see someone is about to score with their next activation, you can activate him and say that they can't activate that model that's about to score until the end of their turn or someone, you know, so, in a way, and you're, you're taking um, away to a degree
0: control of the team to, from the opponent because you're making them play according to your rules.
1: Yeah. Which is exactly. a little bit of a
0: dickish move,
1: but from but what I that's, understand, that's, that's kind of what, what they do. <laughs> yeah, that's what they're all about. <laughs> <laughs> and particularly, Obulus, he's unbelievable. He's unbelievably effective. Um, Just thing as long as you don't mind being a dick. <laughs> Yeah. So no, you will enjoy them. I hope so. So, They're good fun. On the
0: off chance I'll be bringing what I've got along with me to um, to Cardiff. Just on the off chance we happen to get have more time for games and stuff. I doubt we will, but
1: yeah, there's um, there's a tournament going on, isn't there? Yes, there is actually. My um my friend Adam's coming down. He's gonna he's gonna drop into the tournament. So you'll you'll meet him. Nice. A day early anyway, because you're going to meet him on Sunday yes. anyway. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose I should do my hobby while I've been up this stuff.
0: <coughs> <coughs> well, um, I'm going to skip over um, what I've been doing with Flutter sort of so i to cover that in a bit. Um, I've been building. I've been doing lots of building and lots of st- other stuff. Um, so, one thing, for example, let me see if I've got. Um, I found a website that was selling um, the uh, Studio McVeigh game um, Sedition Wars um, they were selling it for an extremely cheap price extremely cheap so they're the ones that are quite famous producing um, oh, yeah. monsters and cool. stuff um, along with um like um soldiery marine type things they're all nice they're, they're they're better than a lot than some of the competition you have out there so um, what are you
1: planning to use those for
0: well, uh, it's mainly um because um this thing has a shit ton of models with it I mean we're talking i think it's something like. 80 models or something, made out of this rustic combination. And it cost me £15. And I was like, hell yeah. (laughs) So um, I'm planning on using the um, characters as a combination of different things. Um, Some of them I want to use as um, special characters. And others I want to use as either um, in first law for either um, UEF or HMC. Not sure what's yes.
1: So where did you get them from for fifteen pounds?
0: Um, let me see if I can tell you. It was off eBay, and it was um, off a seller, which is they also have a normal retail shop. I believe what was it? Um, their normal retail shop is thought well, it'd be cheaper but you have to pay postage Was this, you didn't have to pay postage or something. Um, the website is called... GameSeek. A UK based website. And oh, here we go, so it was free posting packaging, it was sixteen ninety-six, And absolutely fantastic, I mean the... Um, so I've been slowly building some of their models, some of them are quite difficult to build, some are quite hard. Yes, I think it's GameSeek.co.uk. They have lots of different stuff available. Um, this is just one of them, and it's just, you know, compared to the fact that this was, if you have a look um, at Studio McVeigh's website, they're charging, like, you know, 50, 60, 70 quid for this game. So I don't get it.
1: Why are they able to...
0: I'm to- assuming it's just because they've got stock and no one's buying. <laughs> 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 because no one wants the game. Um... Apparently the game itself isn't supposed to be very isn't supposed to be that bad. Um, I've had a look through the rule book, and it's a board game. Um, it looks like the mechanics are interesting. However, almost every single mechanic is accompanied with a diagram.
1: Right,
0: and you yeah, know it's normally a good thing. Mm, I don't know. I, I find it. You know, they tend to say, you know, you tend to find that you know the diagrams are where they're you know where where words will not do mm. and a lot of the time with these rules that's very much the case where they've tried to explain it, and they' like we can't
1: explain it because this is really uh, ev- right. everything is very left field. yours i I'm a very visual learner so i I like seeing a diagram mm. or or a walkthrough. <laughs> um it's possible. i mean the thing is I think they've
0: tried to use a board to answer problems that you have with terrain. Mm. But really, it's not a board game at all. It's really mm. more a miniature war game. Mm. Do you think you'll actually give it a try, or is it just for the just Probably for the not, to be honest. <laughs> it's unlikely I will, Maybe because it's... <sighs> the people I would play against, I've got other games I'd rather play with them, you
1: know, so it is. It is uh, hard sometimes to find time for everything you want to give it a try. Anyway, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we have not going to have time
0: as it is. You know, so
1: yeah. I think, but that's the, models why... nice,
0: so. Sorry? <laughs> the models are nice. Sorry, the models are nice. Yeah. I mean, I, I was I was told to be very wary of them because apparently, following when they. Um, when, it, when it did the Kickstarter, everything came out with awful flash and um, everything was warped and all this sort of stuff. And the flash is still awful. The amount of, mm. you know, I've been spending hours trying to clean up certain models. You think you've got them, you've got it perfect. You put it down, you pick it up again and you go, oh shit, I missed that entire <laughs> mold line.
1: So what what do you make of the rustic or the rustic or whatever it's called? People don't like it, do they? No, I've never I've never um, handled it. myself. <sighs> um,
0: honestly, I'm not that bothered. It it feels like what it is, and that's a chief medium. You know, mm. it's not as good as resin, it's not as good as hard plastic, um, it, but, you know, it keeps their costs down, so I'm not really that bothered to be honest. Um, I mean, the way I see it, with these sort of things, you know, they're all, I mean, for example, his, I mean, some of his sculpts from the the, off the Studio Bay website are absolutely beautiful. And if you wanted to get an you know an actual nice sculpt, you'd probably buy it in resin. You wouldn't just do this Mm. in a standard box project.
1: I wonder why it's cheap, because plastic is cheap only in very high volumes when it's because the physical stuff is cheap. And resin can be cheap because the moulds traditionally were really From what I understand they use resin style moulds.
0: Oh, right. And, and the more and, mix. and the, 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 yeah, exactly, form being a combination of plastic resin. Oh, okay. So the plastic acts as like a, well no, the resin acts as a binder for the plastic.
1: I get you. I get you. So. I made my own resins once in, uh, in my kitchen. <laughs> it's spilt resin all over the floor. It looked awful. I couldn't get it up. <laughs> it was a rental place as well. <laughs> <laughs> Was, it, was this the Bluntball ball model? No, um, I um, I was trying to make a horde of um, wolves. Okay. For uh, an idea that I had, and they were uh, about six pounds per wolf, and I wanted to make a diorama with loads and loads of wolves, which I never actually made in the end. <laughs> But I thought the only way I can possibly afford this is if I basically cast, you know, yeah. cast a shitload of these walls up. Yeah, it I did do, and then did nothing with them. And I now just have an ice cream tub full of uh, <laughs> really badly cast resin <coughs> models. <laughs> but I'm glad I did it, because it was interesting going through the process mm. of um, making a mould and then casting some resin figures. But I could do it in my kitchen, so it um, shows <coughs> all that technology is. But that was mm. the really rubbish, kind of gravity-fed yeah. mould. So, would you say
0: it gave you a deeper understanding of the process, or...? Did, you, or it,
1: did It made me think that the models that I buy are incredibly well cast, because so many of mine were so badly cast with huge amounts of flash and... Which where the mold had pressed too much on them and yeah. um the the number of issues were endless. The amount of air bubbles that I had in them, so like, you know, their limbs would be incredibly fragile because there'd be a huge air bubble inside yeah. the arm and you could just knock it off like that and it it made me value more the skill uh, that professional casting um companies have. Yeah, make and it was interesting. It was fun to do. It was a, I made such a mess. You're trying to scrape resin. <laughs> off it, it's, it just sticks like shit to a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's fair enough.
0: Um, what else have I been up to, hobby wise? I mean, my main thing is preparing to get us ready for Dathcon.
1: Mmm. Which so what is DAFCON?
0: Uh, <laughs> that was that was that was seamless. Um, that was seamless, but insane. Fashionable And <laughs> yeah, we've totally ruined it. <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked, Tom. <laughs> DAFCON, for those listeners out there who um, have no idea, um, is whoop. Okay, so we should now be back. (sighs) Good old technical difficulties. Uh, I apologise, everyone, if my audio is not as good anymore, I've had to uh, swap a microphone over from headset to webcam until we can get a fix.
1: Okay, so. So, I think I just asked you uh, what What DAFCON is. What is DAFCON? Yes,
0: DAFCON is, uh, for those interested, is... Let me see if I can just very quickly pull up the website again. It is... Let me see what their own blurb is. Um, Dafcon is a new multi-system gaming convention happening at Firestorm Games in Wales, in Cardiff, Wales, on the 8th the 10th of April 2016. So, what is it? It is, simply put, um, a convention for small games out there. So, basically anything that isn't Games Workshop although we are allowing what were the specialist games. Um, uh, So that's the idea of it. It's an opportunity to play lots of games, kind of like you'd have in America with Depticon, where people turn up and play tournaments and um, that sort of stuff, but unlike things like Adepticon, where the people who the games you're playing are things like 40k and fantasy, instead it's avoiding those big name games. There are still a couple of quite big name ga- games involved. Um, there's a tournament for Malifaux, um, Guild Ball, uh, and some other big games. Um, But there's also another very small game that's um, due to be having two days there providing demos for people.
1: Um, What game's that? That would be our game. That would be First World Rise. Before we go on, what's the dates for DAFCON? Uh It is the 8th to the 10th of April.
0: So that's Friday the 8th to Sunday the 10th of April. Very good. And we will be there on the 8th and the 9th in an area called the Demo Pit, providing demos for people of our game. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <coughs> exactly.
1: Nice. Right. So, what exactly is the plan, then, Capitaine? What is the plan?
0: Um, that's a, a difficult question. Um, especially considering after these technicals, because my brain has now been uh, <laughs> has been recessed. Okay, so what is the plan? The plan is we are there from start to finish. Well, that's a nine o'clock till five. I think it might be finish time. Two days um, where we will have two tables available to us. Um, one table is showcasing... A very um, uh, technological game between a um, Raider force and a Wraith force. For those who have been following on at home, the Raiders are the hacking fo- um, force, and the Wraiths are the alien special forces. And the other table will be slightly more combat based in the form of um red claw versus uef um red claw being the more brutish um fighters with uef being the generic army guys um we're hoping people will stop by and give the game a try and if they don't we'll just be playing it ourselves <laughs> <laughs> that'd be good yeah well what better way of showing people how much fun it is than two people having fun? So um let me get my list of stuff. So yeah, so so yeah, so that's what we're doing. We'll be there, we'll have um so it's four um not fully um sized forces. Um we'll be looking at Or is it the raiders and the wraiths are 350 notoriety, a normal size would be 500 Uh, notoriety. is the points value for those listening? Um, And um, we, I think, um, is it 350 for the for the others, or do we have 500
1: available? I can't remember. Have we have we worked out the final rosters? I, I thought so. we kind of banded around the idea of 350, but I don't think we. Uh, I know I've got. Um, I know for the Red Core, I've got both 350 and 500 available. Mm. I've worked out both. I think we. I think we're better to go for 350. People's, like people's gaming time is precious, and the, yeah. the amount of time they're willing to give over to an untried demo is yeah. precious. So cool. Uh, I so 350 think both them. Three models per side any less than that you're not really showing the full interactions but beyond that you don't want to kind of keep people you know you don't want to put people by the idea that they're going to be committing to a two hour game you want to kind of keep it down so it's quick a game yes I agree Um,
0: yeah so there's the thing of you know so the one of the questions is, of course, why, why are we doing this, isn't it? You know. So, I mean, in my case, this has been on the cards for quite some time, uh, mainly because I want to get the name out there. I want people to know of this game and to try it. And it's, it's one of those things that the more you talk about it, and the more you get people to read about it, the more I think the game suffers from appearing overly complicated and not very engaging. But the moment you actually get it play, it, play it, you see that it actually is the complete opposite of that. It's actually very intuitive and engaging. And, you, you know, the, co- the complexity Absolutely. comes from after you've learned the basics and you start learning about the different combinations of things that you can put into no, I, it.
1: I think the core mechanics are very straightforward. Mm. Um Obviously, most of the time that we spent on playtesting was was on on the campaign side of things. Yeah. the core rules kind of came together quite quite quickly. And, you know. The, yeah, I'd agree with that. That'll be the point. That'll be you know what we'll be demoing and obviously the you know introducing people to the world that you've created as well. Yes, that's true. That's true. So, what have you got left to do? <sighs>
0: well. I'm actually quite uh, amazed by what I've got left to do. Not very much at all. Um, (coughs) So, originally there was the question of getting uh, demo copies of the books done, which we now have available. Um, Lovely, actual, real pages of actual books. (laughs) <laughs> um, oh, I was the, the day these arrived. I was so amazed. Um, but yeah, um, so we had to get that finished and printed and set up for, which 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 was done. Um, we had to make sure we had demo crews and forces available for people, which is pretty much done now. the little nips you know, touch, touching up and that stuff here and there. Um uh there was was it uh, technically um gaming aids and stuff like that, making sure they're available, which they all are um, and so now the only thing that's really left is a little bit more model painting, so for example um finishing off um exosuit models for people to use. Okay, so- We have. Yellow was a good plan. I thought so. I thought 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 so. So, I mean, we have available the uh, game aid versions, the acrylic tokens, which can be used in a pinch, but of course, actual models are better. So, you
1: know. Uh, Definitely. I think the the demo game, um, uh, we've mentioned it on Games Lounge podcast a while back, but the demo game that, that. you first gave to me that yeah. got me really hooked on the game was the exo suits. Oh yeah! Oh, they were just they were awesome. <laughs> Climbing into a big suit and storming across the board and, tra- and ejecting you out of your exo suit and then jumping my own person into it. And I yeah. think that was that was the moment where you had me hooked. So I think we definitely <laughs> need to have some exo on the uh, demo table. Absolutely, absolutely. Um. And then other than
0: that, the other thing that I've got listed is getting some of the last minute game aids done. So that's um having the rosters printed and laminated. Um and I also I want to do some last minute um cheat cheat tables, that sort of stuff. So so for example a force, any weapons and armor stats it needs, having it on one available table. And again, I've bought myself a nice new cheap laminator that should work to get at least step get them done.
1: Are we going to um, define the rosters before we go and have it kind of... Is, it, is the rosters going to be underneath the lamination, or is it going to be written on the top? Um, what I was
0: planning on doing is... I um, could do either, to be honest.
1: I mean... It might make sense to write it on the top, because... If we do the first demo and we find that yeah, that's a it's good point taken too long or it was unbalanced, it would be good to be able to make changes on the day. I think that's actually a very good point yeah good 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 plan there that then, good plan
0: um yeah, and that's pretty much it in terms of everything you need to do, um it's terrain all sorted, kind of. <laughs> Um, a lot of the stuff I've got, I still need to do a little bit of work on, but we're talking about an evening's worth, if that. It's all painted and modelled. All it needs to do is, um, at the moment, it's push sealed, so just putting glue mm. in there and making it the roofs come off and on easily without any problems. That's it, and it, it's for me, it's it's a real. Mind-blowing experience because it's all kind of come together in the last short few months. I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to it. It's gonna be. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be very exciting. Particularly
1: as the the bulk of our playtest time was done over Vassal and yeah. I much prefer playing in person. Absolutely. So I, I'm looking forward to getting the models on the on the table, and I think when we when we did playtest in person, we realised there were certain interactions. I remember a game that we did here where I um, jetpacked on top of a building and, and I can't remember the details, but it was, a, it was a really good yes moment. It was a clever plan that involved the use of terrain in a 3D way that we wouldn't have probably done Absolutely. All, during a Vassal game. Um, because obviously in, in Vassal we just... Considered that the the rooms were, you know, you couldn't yeah. get into them other than through the doors. Yes. But in, you know, we had all the walkways and the kind of you had people inside buildings and on top of them. It was good. Yeah. So, it's gonna be, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to it. I, I am, have to make I, sure I kick th- the last of this coal. <laughs> Demoed a game before, so I'm. I'm You've never demoed again? Your, well, only to people I know. Okay. I've demoed, I've demoed Moonstone and I've demoed Gilball, but I've never demoed to a stranger yeah. shop. I mean, I don't know if I really
0: want to put this onto recording, but I'm going to anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I kind of pride myself on my demoing ability when it comes to putting on a show. Make, um, and my the, the form, my form of evidences to to back this up is back when... You know, cause I used to be a henchman for weirds. and you're br- you
1: gonna bring the cowboy hat down to uh, down to Wales. I I could if you wanted me to. <laughs> if you, if you think that would do a job, yeah. <laughs> I want to see it
0: again. And um, one of the things that was really great about it was that um, they actually started. Tailoring their stock intake of what of of Malifaux models, so that it was coinciding with when I was doing demo days, because during the peak of that, um, they were literally selling their shelves in one day, mm. and it was all coming down to it was over over a couple of months period time, where you'd be looking at one person would get a demo game in and be like, this is amazing. I'm going to buy two, three crews to show other people. And he would clear off like entire factions with the models. And then like the next month, I'd come back for the next demo day and he would have brought two or three of his friends and then they would do the same thing. And then the next month, they would have brought some more friends and then they would do the same thing. <laughs> and so, you know, the amount, I can't even imagine the amount of stock they cleared purely as a result of the demonstration games I was doing. It's providing.
1: immensely valuable doing demo games. I think trying to get anyone to um pay attention to your game if they haven't seen it in the flesh mm-hmm. is so hard, but I yeah. think once people try it, I, I think invariably they'll yeah. they'll be you know interested in and playing it again.
0: People tend to within the first 10 minutes have made their mind up. Mm. Easily within 10 minutes, if not earlier than that. Um, I found a lot of the time, like with the, my Malifaux demos, before they even started the first turn, you could tell if they were invested or not. You know, if they would, they would, they would look at some selections of models and go, ooh, I like these. They would observe initial discussions about it, artwork, that sort of stuff. And you could tell straight away, you know, this was a demo that was worth giving because you were going to make a big sale at the end of this. And then you had other ones where this was a demo that's worth giving because they're teetering on the edge, or they, they they, they, they want you to sell them on the game because they want to love it, but they need the reason. And then you have got the other ones where this is just a waste of time. I don't know why I'm going to do this, but you're insisting that you
1: want the demo, even though you blatantly don't. So what did you do? Go through with it? Yeah, of course. Did you ever have to abandon a demo because the person clearly wasn't interested, or no, no? Um,
0: um, we were actually quite fortunate um, in the case that there were some where they were blatantly they, they were obviously not going to financially invest. Mm. But, by the end of the demo, they had enjoyed themselves mm. and that ultimately, I think is the point.
1: It can be worth a fortune in the long run i mean i I got into Warhammer as a kid yeah. because i um, i wasn 't planning on buying anything <coughs> I, I went into a shop just out of curiosity and got reeled in by a red shirt and mm. he He put me in charge of a unit or two and that one experience, probably in the end, led to me spending, I don't know how much I spent on Warhammer stuff, about a £1,000 over the course of my life, I expect, and I, I, I wasn't a big spender, compared to some people out yeah. there, so.
0: But yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, I, one of my rules was I never wanted a person to leave a
1: demo unhappy,
0: because, mm. you know, what did, they say?
1: did it say? Did, le- uh, did you ever cheat so that they won?
0: I'd never cheat.
1: <laughs> did, you ever then, did you ever forget any rules? Yes. And then remember later that you'd forgotten the rules, but in doing so, enable them to win?
0: Um, No, I'd never do that. However, I would conveniently forget rules if introducing them later on gave an easier learning curve.
1: Yeah, makes sense. And
0: that's different. Yeah, that's not because I want them to win, and I want you. Know. I mean, to be honest, most of the demos. I think this. I think part of this actually works quite well because of my natural gaming ability. I'm very you know loose there. Is the fact that even if I tried to win, most of the time the people set in the first game still beat me anyway. <laughs> so. So that was always quite amusing. as, long as you're having fun, eh? <laughs> well, that's the thing. You know, you, I, I sometimes read or hear about other people who they say, you know, what's the point if you can't win? And it's like, well, I have to fight another point
1: Otherwise, <laughs> 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 I wouldn't play. <laughs> I don't know i i don't I don't mind losing um but what i do i enjoy well, playing mostly, against yeah. <laughs> some, i i i i enjoy playing against people that I like yeah. it doesn't bother me whether I win or lose basically yeah I'd agree with but, that um but but because i I know some really nice nice gamers mm. so uh, everyone i play is is an enjoyable person to play so but I have been, I've been involved in communities before where I've been really interested in the game, but I haven't enjoyed the opponents, and it's, it's just ground me down and, yeah. and sort of destroyed my love of the game in the end. What would you say has been the worst for this? Oh, God. I, 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 when I moved back to Wales, I really wanted to start playing Blood Bowl again, so I've always yeah. had a love of Blood Bowl. And I uh, joined a club in Newport. And uh um, that's a first mistake right there. Oh uh, yeah. And uh <coughs> and uh there I, I had a, a game against a particular opponent who spent the whole game shit talking. He spent the oh, whole game God. saying, You're really shit, you're you're the worst player I've ever played. I can't believe you're this bad You're awful. I'm gonna smash you. I'm gonna smash your face in. I'm gonna destroy you. The whole game. But not in a, not in a funny way. He was a really nasty person. It was, it was a horrific experience. Yeah. Yeah, I can understand that there are there are some really unpleasant people out there, but thankfully they're yeah. few and far between, but they tend to be in pockets. I tend to find you get a game store where everyone is really friendly and easygoing, and you get mm. game stores where everyone's not. So, um, so I I do consider myself lucky now with the people that I, that yeah. I play with. Yeah, sounds fair enough. <coughs> so, um, so the the point of doing this Dafcon is obviously to get the word out about Override and, and right. get people playing. Yes. Um, I think what we're really hoping for is more people to, um, you know, to to play after the event and and expand the network of playtesters out and maybe you know even dare we hope imagine that someone would run a campaign in their local um, exactly that'd be the local game store or something. Who Absolutely amazing. I know a few people in my local game store are are interested. So. Really? Well, Kim's interested. I <laughs> mean, he'll, he'll probably suck other people in. So. Okay. Does
0: does he? Is is he quite influenced influenced from Pegasus or?
1: I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's definitely a good idea. Fun. <laughs> He's in there the most. He's in there every time I ever go in, no matter what day of the week it is. So <laughs> I can only assume he's in there at least. I mean, of all the times I've ever been in there, I think I've seen him in there about 75% of the time. So I can only assume he spends 75% of his life in the store. So I think he naturally uh, you know, influences people just merely by his presence. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
0: That's good. I mean, you know, it's it's definitely a nice little store. You know, I ah, I I keep thinking I wish it was there when I was younger. Yeah, God, me too. It it, it would be so different compared to what and you know, yeah. yeah, Because I mean, that for me, some of that that feels like what you expect in regards to the term, you know, friendly local game store. Yeah, it is totally.
1: Yeah, it's it's absolutely superb, and that's why I was saying at the start of the call. That's the reason why I'm, you know, buying, you know, my my Guildhall models from hmm. there in metal rather than ordering them in resin. Because if you don't use these things, they will absolutely lose them. Exactly, as
0: we've seen an awful lot in the UK, an awful lot.
1: But yeah. So, um, one second. <coughs> So what's the plan for overrides after? uh, Yes. Um,
0: It's a bit of a mixed bag for me, personally. I mean, you know... (coughs) um, Excuse me a second, just trying to find myself another drink. (coughs) Excuse me one second, I'm just going to get some water.
1: Fill in. You're drinking water out of that mug, are you? Right, okay. I thought, it was, <coughs> I thought
0: it was tea. Uh, well, no, just water. Tea, do you? No, I don't. Tea nor, neither tea nor coffee. Yeah, this is just water. Right, so yes, what's the plans? Um. Obviously there's, you know, I really hope we can get more people testing things and doing all sorts of combinations. They'd like that, so, you know, we would never even into our heads. <coughs> but of course there's you know much more far-reaching plans um after this i'm really hoping that at some point we will be able to get um, enough support to have our book produced in a professional standard via something like some crowdsourcing thing um something again which we're kind of going to Try and gather support for um Afcon say to people, you know, is this something you'd be interested in? Not the market research, so of course. If no one is interested, <laughs> what's the point? <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, the, I'm not. My my dreams don't stop purely at one one book and done. You know, um, I mean, I've got. I mean, as, as we've discussed off li- off offline plenty of times. I mean, um, I've you know got three books planned in total. Um, the second one um, is actually already beginning... Why you stopping at three? <laughs> I mean, the second one is already actually starting to develop a little bit of speed in the back of my brain. And it's very, you know, a story-driven narrative... Using, um, you know, uh, in game missions to tell, uh, uh, its own little story and the rise and fall of a city and
1: a scary enemy and all of that. Because you put out a little, um, um, intermediary. Yes. Um, scenario or you're going to soon anyway. That's right. That? Um, well, so yeah, but yeah, as, as, an,
0: as an interim between book one and book two. <coughs> Um and it it's essentially is um some one off say three little missions, and again they 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 are to provide a bit of narrative to it and they're um kind of like first World override does zombicide um, hmm. so it 's our version of zombies and how they could take how they would be present in the game. As a third, not a third player, but as a third AI system.
1: Mm.
0: So it's more to be an X factor that interferes with a normal game. So Mm. obviously you're going to have one side is going to want to win, but if you spend the first couple of turns killing the enemy, and then you're going to have the, you know, the zombie horde swarming down on you, you're not going to do so well. Whereas if you can work together to begin with, or at least try and, I don't know, maybe lure the zombies to the other side as it's to deal with the enemy rather than you, that allows you a bit more um, so leeway. Your,
1: your instincts to move towards a co-op game are coming back, are they? No, not quite, not quite. Um, it's more that there's different things to find it. I, I
0: want the idea of co-op to be an option.
1: i take what I really like is the, the fact that it's not true co-op. It's kind of like co-op for a bit until you get your moment to s- to turn sort of exactly, like, it, 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 like exactly. It, it's exactly it's rubbish.
0: working for the strengths
1: so it's you know yeah the enemy
0: of my enemy is my friend's situation
1: mm. I do like any
0: game where you get the opportunity to backstab people exactly and that's the thing <laughs> choosing the right moment to backstab right them that's the them crucial them. bit yeah
1: <laughs> and if you can make it really sting, then that'll make it even better. I really, I, I think I might have mentioned it before, but I absolutely love the board game for Spartacus. You know, Spartacus Blood and Sand Yeah. And Bravo. See, it's got a fantastic board game, and it's absolutely filthy. The opportunities to create alliances and backstab people, it's just built <coughs> <definitely coughs> for it. Yeah, so, I, I've heard other people describe that game as. Uh, was it the uh, the game to ruin friendships? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I get ganged up on because I always surge ahead and then I make myself a big target. Yeah, yeah. I can you make like, s- that makes sense all the time. But it's it's good. I quite enjoy it. I don't mind being I don't mind being a target. It, it's kind of a natural rubber banding, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 that makes, yeah. I know what you mean. But yeah, so the idea
0: of this intermediate mini-thing is, you know, right, is that it's supposed to give players an inkling of what to expect in Book 2, but at the same time, ha- them having no idea. If they think <laughs> they've got an idea, they will not, What they think is right, will be totally left.
1: Mm. So sounds
0: good. I'm, try and, try and, I'm still, I mean, it's, it's so difficult to keep these things under my hat, which I'm not wearing, but it is so difficult to do so because I just love spilling the beans and telling people what's going on. <laughs> but I know if I do that, it'll spoil it in the long run, so I
1: have to keep it, keep it quiet. Yeah, you, you need to keep a tight lid on this one. Exactly. We, we need people playing. And, and, uh, and I think, you know, we're, we're in agreement, so we've
0: got some good stuff coming, some very good stuff coming. That will totally not only flip things around slightly, but also augment what's already there Mm. and create a more enriched experience. Yeah, sounds sounds (laughs)
1: very interesting. (laughs) If we do say so ourselves. (laughs) Well, but, that side of things is all, is, is all you. It's the, the whole storyline, the story yeah. arc, the, all of that is, 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 uh, is your part, but I do find it very interesting. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoy. You've got one fan at least. Yay! <laughs> but, enough, enough about, enough about
0: that. So, 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 as people who will have listened in, in to my rambles in the past you 're working on a game as well
1: yeah i am i i couldn't I couldn't let you have all the fun I needed to <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think a, a com a combination of different parts led me to the same place in the end yeah um, but i I wanted to solidify some of those. Um, different ideas into a into a game system which uh, is called Moonstone, which is going really really well at the moment. It's been taking up the bulk of my hobby time lately. Um, playtesting it. The um, <clears throat> the rules aren't available to the public yet, and that is largely because um, they they're changing quite rapidly mm. still. And I wouldn't expect anyone sort of outside of my inner circle to be able to keep pace with that. And also, um, when we worked on uh, Override, we put the rules on the website. And one of the problems with that is you didn't necessarily know who was downloading yeah. them or what they thought of them because it's, traditional websites aren't very interactive. So I deliberately have kept the rules behind a Facebook group because I can see who's in there and I can ask them their opinions yeah. and they can see the chat and they can see the changes and they can see why and they can see the upcoming artwork and the sculpts and they know what's going on and, and, and there's a, a community, albeit a small one, mm-hmm. um, which you wouldn't get necessarily if you made the rules available on, yeah. online. That said, if anyone is interested in and wants to come and uh, take a look, they're very welcome to join the... The development group. And how would they find the development group? They would find it on Facebook. Or uh, um, If you do a... Let's just check that this works. So if you go to <laughs> Facebook and do a search for Moonstone, um, it will probably... Moon, Moonstone give you the... Uh, give you the Facebook page. <coughs> the Facebook uh, page www.facebook.com slash Moonstone the game moonstone that oh, that's nice one, moonstone moonstone the game that's what comes up and you will arrive at the moonstone page yes you do and right at the top of that page is um, is a plug for people to join the uh moonstone development group so this is the like the public page where i just put major updates uh, and there's not a huge amount of uh, i think there's only about uh, a dozen or so posts on this page, but if you if you go through into the group, there's a hell of a lot more content. That's where we've been having all of our chats about the playtest games and the changes in the rules and the artwork and stuff. So, um, so- yeah. Uh, the gist of it is anyone is very welcome to uh, to join the group and they 'll be able to um, get the latest version of the rules if they 're interested in seeing them and When things calm down a bit we 're in what I would consider alpha phase at the moment, which is to say that things are still changing quite yeah. a lot when um, When I feel like they 're going to settle down and not change for let 's say two months or three months at a time then i 'll uh, put them up on the main website, which is www.moonstonethegame.com, I think? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Same as the Facebook extension. Yeah. And, um, I'm on Twitter as well. Moonstone Game. At Moonstone Game. So, um, if you want to find out more, uh, look into any of those avenues. I must say, yeah, you know, I've said, I've said, I've said on the show before, and I can't stop
0: saying it. Bloody good game. Really, really is a great game. It is the future of character-driven <laughs> skirmish. I've said this before. It that's
1: that's going to be written on the back of the book. <laughs> <laughs> it, it
0: is. It, it is just absolutely fantastic. It scratches so many itches. I mean, um, I know one of the things that Bill used. Uh, Shamey's not here. He used to say about Skillball is that one of the things he loved about Guild Ball is that it scratched those itches that Malifaux used to scratch for him. And for me, now bear in mind, of course, the first time you demoed um, Moonstone was the same day that you demoed Guild Ball to me. Mm. And I could see they both scratched similar itches. Yeah. But for me, Moonstone did it better. And that is...
1: It's interesting that you mention Malifaux because obviously Guild Ball's a game that I'm playing at the moment, but it was when I was playing Malifaux that the ideas for Moonstone were forming. Mm. And I liked the way in Malifaux you used a deck of cards. I thought that was very innovative at the time. I certainly thought the alternating activation order was incredibly innovative. And um, you know the the characters' abilities, there were tons of things I, I loved about it. But one of the things that I thought didn't quite go far enough, was the way Malifaux used the deck of cards was almost like a 52-sided dice. Yes. Because you, were, you tended to just flip a card, and it was like your roll of a dice from yeah. 1 to 13. Um, so it's kind of like a 13-sided dice, rather than a 52-sided dice. No, really. And you had your deck of... You had your hands, but... It was mostly just like a random resource that you were given at the beginning of the turn. Yeah. It could have been a game where you were rolling a 13-sided dice, and at the beginning of the turn you pulled chips out of a bag, and some of them were blanks, and some of them gave you plus one to your dice roll or whatever. It didn't necessarily use cards in the ways that you can use cards, that you use cards in card games. There's things that you can do with cards, like you you know you know the value, but your opponent doesn't. The value is fixed. Mm. You, you, you can play them face down, and you know what it is, but they don't. Or you can draw a hand of cards and pick one that's appropriate for the situation. Yeah. So there's ways in which I wanted to use cards that I couldn't in Malify. I wanted the ability to bluff, basically, yeah. and uh, and and play cleverer tricks with cards. And that's where I kind of originally thought about the mechanic, the, what, what is now the arcane mechanic. Yeah. And I also, during the process of uh, work on Override, um, started to think about uh, a, a combat mechanic, a close combat mechanic that I found interesting. Because mm. so many games, the combat mechanic is alternating to hit one another. Yeah. Um, I roll or do something, and I cause some damage to you, and then it's your turn, and you do damage to me. And it, I wanted a game where um, combat was simultaneous because I, as as I've mentioned previously on podcasts, I do um, historical martial arts, historical fencing. So I wanted something that f- just, I just wanted a combat system that was more, more. Exciting and engaging yeah. and simultaneous, and that attacking someone had an element of risk and, and had some sort of volatility to it. And again, cards work great for that because you can, um, you can assign to cards much more than what you can with dice. Dice can only have numeric values, cards can contain loads of information. Yeah. So you get the ability to create different combat moves and have a hand of moves, and select the move you want to play, which can only be done with cards. Yes. Um, so, that's... Uh, and, and some of those ideas for combat, when we were working on Override, were too complicated for Override, because yeah. Override is not a close combat-focused game. It's got, obviously, technological elements, hacking elements, the shooting side of it. It it didn't seem like the right place to introduce yes, you a, a complex and sophisticated um, new mechanic. Yeah, it didn't need it. It, it wouldn't have benefited from it. it. It would have detracted from the other innovative mechanics that were in the game. Absolutely. So I kind of had these ideas that I wanted to to um, to get out there, and I've always liked the um, sort of um, more whimsical sort of um fantasy setting, more like Labyrinth and mm. some of those kind of awesome puppet based um films that they were in in the eighties, Dark Crystal and then yeah. Ryan Fraud and all of that kind of stuff. Um and I thought there isn't much of that going on at the moment. There's um um, there's a lot of steampunk and Tolkien-esque fantasy and obviously sci-fi but there's not much fairy tale style yeah. uh fantasy settings out there so as it's the one that appealed to me the most and it worked really well with my um, you know a, a close combat system yeah. um, and obviously the arcane mechanic, I wanted a mechanic that would work equally well for shooting a crossbow as firing a Yes. Um, I was using a magic spell, it just kind of all came together from lots of different directions and crystallised over the course of quite a long time, probably six months to a year, just all these different ideas bubbling around until I couldn't um, couldn't resist anymore and had to start <laughs> writing them down and testing them out. And it's it's been good, really good fun. It's been working really well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know, you know, following the developments with long with the um, group,
1: you seem to be really
0: enjoying it. He's, you, you know, you, um, you seem to be really, really enjoying it, and that's really good
1: to see. Well, the crea- creating something, the creative process, the it's, it's, I just love it. Mm. I, that that kind of. Um, you can't stop thinking about it. It's the like, you know, you're lying in bed trying to get to sleep, but ideas are just slamming into your head yeah. one after the yeah, other. I know all about it's that one. It's incredibly enjoyable. So, um, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't not do it. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Yeah. And, you know, we, we learned a lot and, and in the process of doing, uh, Override oh, yeah. and, some of those learning experiences I wanted to kind of act on. and mm. One of those learning experiences was that I think people are very busy and hard to get a- the attention from and yeah. that they need eye candy and they need visuals in order to draw them in. So how can you go about getting visuals? Well, <laughs> mostly I've been doing them myself. <laughs> <laughs> but what about when you haven't done them yourself? i I've um, I have uh got a very talented um, concept artist that I'm working with at the moment called Emily and um, I'm also working with uh, a sculptor called um, Tom Lishman who uh is absolutely fantastic and has uh produced a lot of the uh models for infamy. And um, also has produced the um, Harry the Hat for Guild Ball. Oh really. So um, very, very, very talented guy. And um, we've got the first few work in progress shots up on the development page. I've been sketching and sending images back and forth on 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 creating essentially the first character uh as a as a sculpt. And the plan is to have that sculpt um, basically created as a a one-off miniature and run through the Kickstarter process so that I get the experience of taking a Kickstarter from start to finish, taking a whole design and sculpt and production and um, fulfillment process all the way through. And um, if all of that goes successfully then I might consider well I would if it goes successfully I would definitely begin the process of um, rolling it out as a full game yeah and it's it's it, an awful lot of fun and I think um, I think obviously I, I probably wouldn't have gone down this path had we not gone oh. and, and yeah. You know, done everything that we did with override. I think that's that's fair enough. Yeah. And I think um I've I've ended up doing a lot of the concept sketches myself mm. which um I've only been able to do because I've really enjoyed doing the concept sketches because just like uh painting a miniature it's a creative process, it takes oh yeah several hours and if you don't enjoy it then um you know it's it's not worth doing, but I do actually really enjoy doing it. And that has really surprised me, because my original <laughs> intent was to get all of the concept art done by a professional concept artist. Mm. And I had um, I had people in mind that I'd seen work on other games that I really admired, and, and they would no doubt have done a far better job than me. <laughs> um but I, I I I must have contacted about seven or eight different concept artists, mm. and presumably it's because I was contacting people that were already very successful in the industry that I didn't really get the the response that I hoped for. A lot uh, ignored me. There was one incredibly talented um, artist that I I still do hope to work with, um, but I the The cost was too mm. high for me at that stage. I needed to get some validation on the concept before yeah. spending the amount of money that she was asking, although I think she was totally worth the money. And I do hope to, you know, to get her involved in some of the really key pieces like the front cover yeah. um, uh, of the rule book, or, you know, if it does go full term to a to a full Kickstarter. But first and foremost, I needed to, you know... Flush it out and, um, val- you know, I, what, the company that I work for, we do a lot of lean startup, and it's about validating your um, your concepts and testing uh, them out with the minimum amount of initial expenditure and effort, because yeah. you can sometimes sit in your own vacuum and you think that you've got something that people want and then you, you spend a lot of money and time and then you realise there was some massive flaw in your assumption, you hadn't researched your competitors, you hadn't yeah. found out whether this was generally in demand and then you've wasted all that time and money. So I'm trying to apply some of those same sort of common sense approaches, just doing what is necessary mm. at each phase to find out whether this is uh, something for anyone else once, yeah, basically, before, sense. before spending, um, you know, before remortgaging the house, you know, on, on <laughs> getting like, you know, 20 models sculpted and then finding, ah, oh, nobody likes this concept. Yeah. Which, you know, I can't do. But it only occurred to me fairly recently, um, why not just produce one? Yeah. Because I can afford to lose the amount of money I've spent so far, but only because I'm planning to just produce one. Yes. If it's successful, I'll have the confidence to kind of you know move on to the next step. And um the, the, the numbers work out reasonably favorably as well. I could run because obviously I've done the concept art myself and I'm a graphic designer, so I've done all the graphic design myself. So the the expenses that I have are are not as bad as they could be for someone else. Mm -hmm. So I think I could probably put together a Kickstarter with a um, a funding goal of only about £800. That's good. That's Um, very good. Which, looking at other people, is quite a lot lower Mm. than what I'm seeing. And excluding um, packaging, Mm -hmm. not packaging, sorry, excluding postage, I, I think at the moment... I would go for a Kickstarter where you add the postage on at the end rather than it being free postage in a higher unit sale price. I'm certainly modelling it that way at the moment just because it's uh, easier, (laughs) basically. If I just imagine that postage doesn't exist and work out all the costings without it and just charge people whatever the postage is for whatever... Postage is needed, and it can kind of sit outside for the sake of my modelling. Anyway, it looks like I would need about fifty to sixty people to buy the figure uh, to break even. Okay. Which is
0: maybe doable with the right marketing. That should be quite straightforward. Mm. Just getting the right number of people, you know, the right you know, who have the right mouthpieces to shout it out.
1: Yeah. It's certainly. Something that I feel could be achieved. Mm. Enough that I'm willing to spend a little bit of my own money to see whether it can be or not, basically. Yeah, yeah it makes sense. So, that's yeah, that's where I am with that. I'm going to be, obviously, releasing... Uh, I do have work-in-progress shots of the sculpt, but I'm holding them back until they're more progressed. Yeah. And then they will be... All over social media, probably. <laughs> I know what I've seen so far looks good. Looks very
0: good. Yeah, and, I, I, uh, and also I like the fact that you know you're open to not so much critiquing, but within the within the group, you know, if, if someone if somebody notices something, as I have, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you so know, you're not being precious about it. Going, no, oh, this is my idea. <laughs>
1: Well, just before, you know, just before we started this call, I was sketching uh, a change to the character's Mm. legs, and it was something that Richie had pointed out on, on the group, and I'd immediately gone, no, they're fine, and then I kind of um, slept on it and woke up the next day and thought, nice, you're right, there is something not quite right about them, and and did some research, And, and I think that's why we've got such a huge advantage as game designers compared to uh, game designers Of only 10 years ago And that we've got Social media And the ability yeah. To immediately Get feedback And immediately Share Our, our Concepts And our works In progress It's amazingly Useful So I've got Huge um, uh, I I I think the, the sculptor That I've got Is incredibly Talented mm-hmm. I've got no Doubts about His ability Whatsoever My doubts Are on my own Sketching ability Yeah um and if anything, I think the sketches that i've done so far are too tight in that the the lines are they're they're quite precise mm. and if anything i'm I'm worried that the sculptor will copy them too too well yeah uh, I know <laughs> um, what you mean what I really want is some of yeah so I to say this is the
0: idea i'm going for. take this yeah. idea and make it.
1: Better. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and until the point where I'm going to see how this pans out, but I'm considering doing all my sketches in future really, really fast and rough. Yeah. Kind of like the way the Guildhall sketches are.
0: So it's, so it's impossible for them to to it's literally recreate for it. Them to copy it
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so they have to use their own talent. <laughs> <laughs> That's clever. That's clever. Yeah. So. No, it's, it's, it's a very interesting learning experience. Also, if I do the, if I do the sketches really rough and sketchy, yeah. then I'll bang them out a lot quicker as well. Yeah. Because the thing about um, developing a game, as we know, and probably a lot of other people that have attempted it know, is it's incredibly intensive on man hours. Oh, yeah. Incredibly intensive to do, right. to fit in all the playtest games and to paint all the demo figures and assemble all the terrain and yeah. write the rules and do the design and and and, and all of that it takes a, a staggering hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours, hundreds you know, thousands. Yeah. Um, and then I'm obviously I'm trying to do a lot the lion's share of the artwork as well at the moment, so I think I need to probably change my sketching style sooner rather than later. <laughs> but, um, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. that's fair
0: enough. Right, I think we should do a wind down.
1: Yeah, sounds good to me.
0: I think we're looking at about two
1: hours at the moment, give or take, over two recordings. Um, I think given, um, I take it this bit's going to be cut out as well. Yeah, yeah, I think the, <coughs> approach, uh, the fact that there's only the two of us, and I, th- I think we should try and keep this one yeah. short. Yeah, I agree. <coughs> right, so,
0: I think that's safe, I think that's a safe Better to call this. So, uh, let's just do a very quick, very quick wind down here. So, um anything else
1: from you, Mr. Tom? Just to say to everyone, uh, go to com and find the Facebook page, find the Twitter, follow along if you're vaguely interested. Yeah. And um, I think, yeah, that's it
0: for me as well. Um, I hope to see you guys over at Dafcon in Cardiff. Um, if not, go on and check out the First Law Override website, of course, com. That's all one word. And, of course, you can reach... Us to um, hobby sofa. Um, so I can't remember what the Twitter account is for that. <laughs> Give me one second. Oh yeah, professional right up until the end. Um, it is yep at hobby sofa. there we go. So send your questions, your queries, your critiques, your criticisms, your love letters, your hate letters, whatever it is you have to say. And uh yeah.
1: Until next time, take care everyone, I'll see you soon. Hopefully see you at DAFCON. Bye bye!